All right, welcome back once again. Father Demetrius hanging out here with our wonderful favorite lay brother, Brother Will. That's right, in the flesh. All right. Sorry, guys, I hit the wrong slider there. That's so, the worst when you hit the wrong slider. Can't stand it. Well, you know, I mean, I ain't gonna lie. I, I do like this little system we got, though, you know? Nice. It's a Roadcaster Pro. Yeah. It's a nice little machine. Yeah, it's the old version, admittedly. But uh, couldn't beat the price. You know, the new model came out. This was new old stock in the box, never opened. And it was like 50% what it would have been two months earlier. Can't beat it. Mm. You know? Has all your preamps, all your stuff. We use uh, Rode mics, so there's already presets in there to help minimize clipping and, you know, all that chaos. So that we come in, I mean, I could EQ it a little bit better. It's a little less tinny, but I ain't gonna lie. It comes out, I think, pretty good. Yeah, no, it's very clear. But yeah, in fact, my mom was asking about that last night because uh, we picked up a third mic, so hopefully we'll be able to add some more people here. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of my parishioners, I uh, recently, uh, I don't know if the term is let go. Like, what should I say? How should I describe me no longer going to the parish I've gone to for six years? Mm. See, this is why I love language. There's so many different ways to describe it. And all these different ways to describe it have different implications. Right. Termination of service. Termination of service. <laughs> let go. Fired. But long story short, uh, one of the parishioners gave me an Amazon gift card. So I used that to pick up the mic. And then mom and dad, mainly mom, um, picked up the ancillary stuff. So on this setup, we use a Rodecaster Pro as our main mixing board. It has, again, soundboard, like you've heard. Occasionally, we have to use the uh, not cursing, but the <laughs> cursing button. Um, we have our intro button. We have a couple sliders for it holds up to four different mics bring in Bluetooth speakers, phone calls, USB connection. It's a nice little setup. Um, has preamps in it, but we also run, I use um, basically what's called a cloud lifter. That's the little boxes you see, Bill. Those um, are uh, preamps. So we run power to it and it gives uh, 25 decibels of gain, mm. which helps keep that out. So we don't have to crank the mics up so much. All this reminds me of uh, my college roommate who was a, uh, a music industry major. And uh, I think he had a major in percussion too. Nice. And uh, excellent drummer. And uh, he used to create his own music, you know, the electronic beats and stuff like that. Yeah. So this was, this was like when GarageBand was first getting getting big. Okay. Uh, every every MacBook came with GarageBand, so you'd open it up and you're like, oh, I'm like, a, I'm like a, basically a producer now. Right, right. <laughs> well, that's actually the one thing I've been looking at this past week, which is kind of cool to talk about. Is I, I found this one YouTube channel. I don't even know the guy's name anymore. He's this British guy. He's retired from working for Sony or something. But all he does is go over like refurbishing and like the specs on like old hi-fi. You know, like how did this actually work? And like some obscure tech. Like I didn't even know that, you know, they did like, you know, you remember like Laserdisc? Like from high school, like the big old DVDs before DVD? Mm-hmm. You know, digital movie, but on an optical disc. Mm -hmm. Did you know that they made that same concept? They called it HD video on vinyls. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Huh. Huge in Japan, apparently. Wow. Well, like had a stylist and everything. Like it read digital encoded vinyl grooved data. Yeah. But like, this is the weird stuff this guy like showcases and spends some. I'm sure obscene amounts of money to purchase and then fix. But uh, there's still kind of an interest in vinyl music. Mm -hmm. No, no, I think that's uh, that's kind of coming back. I think you know we've talked about something similar that you know putting on a vinyl record like you don't have every song in the history of man at your fingertips like you do on your phone. Uh, and you know if you want to get to the next song, you know, well, can, can you skip songs on a vinyl? Yeah. You can, okay. Yeah. yeah. You pick it up and you move the needle. Yeah, you got to do some work. Yeah, it's not like <laughs> clicking, you know. But, uh, yeah, I know my, uh, I, had, I had some friends that were very into vinyl. Oh, yeah. And uh, it reminds me of a story. 
that happened here at the monastery. So a few years ago, um, uh, one of my jobs was to help clean out an old office, mm. uh, one of the monks. And uh, he had a lot of vinyl records in there, mostly like, you know, religious classical music. Mm-hmm. So we were like, well, we don't want to throw these out, and but we don't have space for them. Can we, you know, maybe sell them to a record store or mm-hmm. you know, whatever? And uh, <laughs> I know so the first two, the first two uh, stores I found, one was the Princeton Record Exchange, mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, that sounds kind of like haughty toddy, like maybe mm-hmm. they want classical or religious music, mm-hmm. and they were, you know, I called them, they were very nice. Oh, you know, we're, we don't, we're not accepting that that genre at this time Mm -hmm. and then the second one was scotty's in uh summit which if you've been to scotty's it's like your neighborhood you know uh record store yeah it's kind of no frills records posters all. yeah it's like where hyde worked on that 70s show yeah exactly and uh i said oh you know we have some of these religious and uh classical and he's like buddy you kidding me? We don't sell that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> we sell like Led Zeppelin and you know Jay Z and stuff. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, I know a guy, Ty. He's a uh, he's he's the dude that boots your car in the city of Pittsburgh. Like he's the one police officer they have that will actually physically put the boot on your car. He has every Avenged Sevenfold album in the LP signed on his wall. Wow. Every single one. I remember uh, Ven Sevenfold was a big band for me and my group of friends um, when uh, their third record, City of Evil, came out. Mm-hmm. I remember we were at someone's, like, it was some kind of birthday, formal birthday party, mm-hmm. and we, we were all bored, and we were like, you guys want to go in the car and listen to City of Evil? <laughs> so nice. we're like, all outside in the car, like, in our suits and stuff, like, listening to this, and we saw them a bunch of times. They played at Starland over in Sayreville. Uh-huh. We saw them at uh, Hammerstein Ballroom. Uh-huh. Uh, awesome band. They've kind of fallen off a little bit in terms of like popularity or like notoriety, it seems like. Yeah, they're not. Well, they don't tour as much anymore either. Yeah. But I've, they, yeah. I've partied with them. When? It was um, Warp Tour. Would have been like 06. So, so that was right around City of Evil, probably. Yeah. yeah. So there was this band called The Confession out of Pittsburgh. Similar concept. You know, like, heavy metal. Still still love their stuff. Like, I, I still have uh, their one CD they put out, and then I have their live version, which was recorded in Pittsburgh, actually, um, on my, uh, my uh, iTunes and my Amazon Music, and I actually bought it on cross-platform before I started. Uh, I'd love to play it, but I would get copyrighted, I'm sure. Um, but, uh, so me and a couple of my buddies in uh, college, first couple of years, we, we went to party with them. Not party with them, but catch their show every once in a while. They were just like the, you know, the the bar show. You know, the, the small town, Pittsburgh, small, like, local dude putting on a show. Sort of like the Clarks, which is another band I've seen. And uh, my buddy Corey loved them. Loved them to death. And uh, we were all, you know, we watched them a bunch. bunch and they eventually got signed. And their mentoring band for being on tour was Avenged Sevenfold. Uh. And we all went to Warp Tour and uh, we're there at Warp Tour and, you know, they do all the signing stuff, the promo stuff and we're like, I'm not going to get near any big band. Like, we got there late. We're all like 19. Maybe 20. Maybe a little older. I don't know. Probably 21. I think I was 21. I think I was just 21. Anyway, so we see that the confession are there. They're doing some of the opening sets. I'm like, well, let's, well, let's go get something signed. Let's go. Let's see, you know, we, you know, we knew these guys are good, so we went. And they remembered Corey. Like, dude, mm-hmm. used to hit like every show. Mm. Like, yeah, because he went to PTI in Pittsburgh, and so they pulled us behind the tables, where they're chilling with them, and Avenged Sevenfold comes in and starts talking to them and. They, they looked at us and like, so uh, what are you guys doing? Like, well, we're probably going to go fight our way up to the main stage. We're going to watch Disturbed play a set. And they, both, they all smiled and like, come with us. Oh. Like, what? Like, come with us. So me and some of my buddies were sitting there with the confession and Avenged Sevenfold on the wings 
watching Disturbed play their set. Wow. None of us had camera phones. None of, like, this was, like, pre, you know, everybody has a, a 4K camera in their pocket. Totally in the moment. And in the moment, just chilling. It's one of those things where, like, if you don't believe me and you don't believe my buddies, there's no way to prove it, you know? But yet, one of the coolest memories of my life, and it all because just we lived in the moment, like, eh. And we also took time to chill while in college. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, we cared about academics. You know, I was on Dean's List every term, you know, scored in the top 10, 10 or 15 percentile on my boards for teaching and all this stuff. Did multiple degrees at the same time. But still, it was just like, no, nah, I need to chill. And uh, my buddy was much more into him than any of us. But again, it was just those lovely circumstances that yeah. came together and just created this awesome memory that... I could never repeat. Right, right, exactly. Those well, are the best kind, like unplanned, yeah. total surprise. It was yeah. like the time I blew off Taylor Swift. Well, you can't just stop there. <laughs> <laughs> she was opening and for... She didn't write a song about you? or No, no. Nah, nah. yeah. In fact, uh, it's a shame. She was. It was like her first time being out doing shows. She was opening for Little Big Town at the Cambria County Fair. This would have been... The year after I graduated, because the year I graduated, which was 04, my friend Christy Cummins was fair queen. The year after that, her little sister, Kim, was fair queen. And Kim's job as fair queen was to introduce all the bands. And so I was a huge little big town guy. Like I, like Boondocks had just come out. Like I love the song Boondocks. And uh, so I went to meet them and I got to meet them. Not paid to meet them. Like, no paid meet and greet. It was just, like, chilling. Again, like, they were doing a sound check and got the chill. And then they actually, it was funny, they had to run off because uh, they found out there was, like, Walmart down the block, like, down from the fair line. Mm-hmm. And uh, they made comments about one of their band members, like, needing deodorant, like, not being optional at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, dude stunk. And uh, they ran off, and then I was sitting there, not sitting, I was standing up by the stage, and uh, the opening act was Taylor Swift. And I can still see her. She was sitting there on the corner of the stage, just chilling, like legs dangling, you know, like, doing, like the classic, like on a swing, legs dangling. And uh, my friend Kim was like, oh, yeah, this is Taylor. She's from Reading. Da, 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 da. Like, yeah, yeah, cool, 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 cool. I'm going to go see what animals won the barn. <laughs> and I can still see, like, she had this like, huh? Uh, Look. Like, why don't you want to? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yo, I didn't want to talk. Yeah. I, I honestly thought she was just like some other like Fair Queen contestant. Oh, like, like, yeah. I didn't know she was an opening act until I went to the show. Right. And then I'm like, oh. And then she got famous and I'm just like, See? son of <laughs> God. You could be married to Taylor Swift right now. Nah. <laughs> that reminds me of a story actually with a friend uh, who plays guitar and he went to see Weezer. Nice. And uh, he's in like, you know, one of the front rows. And, you know, he's a pretty good guitar player. He does, you know, knows what he's doing. And they said, all right, next song, we're going to bring somebody up on stage to play guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're going to play this song. And who wants to come up on stage? So everyone's going crazy, obviously. Now, my fr- my buddy didn't know that song on guitar. Mm-hmm. So he didn't want to get up there and look like an idiot, mm-hmm. you know. So he said that they actually pointed at him and called him. And he said, no, no. Uh-huh. And so then, like, they pointed at a random girl. She came up on stage, didn't know how to hold the guitar. Uh-huh. was just, like, strumming. Uh-huh. And then the whole band signed it and gave her the guitar. Oh. <laughs> so it's something he always thinks about. Oh, yeah. But I love, uh, maybe that's something that could be the sort of theme of this, uh, theme of this episode, uh, Cause I, I just recall so many great experiences in my teens and twenties at concerts and oh, yeah. you know, music related experiences. And, uh, you know, when I, uh, I grew up playing baseball and, uh, I tell my students about this. Um, and my junior year, I got cut from the varsity team. Mm-hmm. And at the time, you know, cause my whole identity was invested in baseball at the time. It's the end of the world because I'm not playing baseball now. So who am I? Right. You know, and uh, that led me to get a part time job 
uh, at Bob Stores in Springfield, New Jersey, in footwear. And I had known a group of guys uh, who worked there. I had known them prior. They, you know, kind of lived in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. But I got the part-time job, and I started working with them more and hanging out with them more. And they were all into music, you know, like uh, Metallica and Pantera and Tool, Avenged Sevenfold, bands like that. And, uh, you know, that set me on a path of, like, really getting deeply into music and starting to play uh, drums and uh, going to concerts and stuff like that. Um, So, you know, I think there's a a theological point to be made there uh, that, first of all, you're not, you as a person are not what you do. True. Because once you can't do it anymore. Right. There's, you know, you're not going to know who you are. Um, and second, you know, it's, you know, it sounds like a bumper sticker, but like, it's true. Like if, if one door is closed, others are opened. Yeah, you know? no, that's, that's absolutely it. And, uh, you know, something at the time that seems like it's the end of the world or it's the worst thing that's ever happened to you with time, you know, years later, you can look back and say, if that didn't happen, then I wouldn't have been able to do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. you know? Well, it's like the old country song uh, Garth Brooks sings, uh, "Unanswered Prayers." It's it's about a guy who runs into he's at a he's actually at a county fair, and uh, he runs into his old high school girlfriend who dumped him, and he's there with his wife and his kids and all this stuff, and they're reminiscing, and he realizes, you know, he spilled countless tears, countless prayers, begging God to get them back together. And now he realizes if that had happened, he would have been miserable. Right. And, you know, the whole theme is, you know, thank God at times for unanswered prayers. Right. Yeah. Yeah, so that, you know, that kind of led me on the path of, like, going, getting really into music, going to concerts and stuff. But mm-hmm. so many great memories. Um, I remember uh, we went to, uh, a few years ago, well, this is probably, I don't know, eight years ago now or so, ten years ago. Um, Metallica put on their own festival down in Atlantic City called the Orion Festival. It was a Saturday and Sunday. They invited, you know, mostly like heavy metal rock bands. Mm-hmm. Um, Saturday, they played uh, one of their albums in, the, in its entirety. And then Sunday, they played another album. Nice. I think Sunday was the Black Album. And Saturday might have been like Injustice for All or Master of Puppets or something. Wow, so like old school. Old school, yeah. Those wow. Are old so the, the the funny memory of that, though, is uh, so Sunday, Metallica's the last act. Uh, so I'm, I'm walking with my buddy, and my buddy, he has a shirt off, and he's wearing a hat that he found, <laughs> and we're kind of like making our way through the crowd, and... We're my buddy really wanted to get close, and he's kind of kind of like, you know, pushing people out of the way, and I'm like, sorry, 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 sorry. Mm-hmm. And then we come upon there's like six guys in front of us, all with their shirts off, mm-hmm. and they turn around and they see my buddy with his shirt off, and it was like they found like a lost member of the tribe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, and so we're all having fun, and then um, I I said to my my buddy, I said, do not ask like do not tell them to like uh pick me up so to crowd surf we're gonna get separated our phones are dead we're not gonna find each other right of course hit the first note my buddy wants to crowd surf (laughs) (laughs) so they put me up but what was funny was that we were so close to like the security gate Uh that i went up and then i was literally at the security gate and i just went over down yeah and i couldn't find him obviously so i waited by the entrance and eventually he got back but you know stories like that. I just, I just love those because, like, with your story with the vengeance, it's never going to happen the same way again. Yeah, no. It, and if I had planned it, if I'd wanted, it, never would happen. You know, and I think that's one of the great advantages of at times taking time to have fun, living in the moment, doing your thing, because you never know when the memory you're going to look back and be like, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, yep, yep. You know, I mean. Again, like I remember I went to, uh, I just started working for a nonprofit in Pittsburgh and I had already had tickets for uh, Music as a Weapon was the tour name. It was uh, also Disturbed was the mainliner, but opening for them was uh, Chimea, Chimera, 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 Chimera. Lacuna Coil, Kill Switch Engage, 
with the original band and then disturbed and you know again i remember like part of me was like well i just started this job my buddy's like nah, dude you're coming you already paid for the ticket you're coming and you know again great memories you know i had to explain to my boss who was a sister of saint joseph in the monday morning while i was all busted up and she had no idea what i meant when i said uh well, I was at I was at the concert and I had to run a gauntlet, <laughs> and I and I mean that I had to run it. Uh, Kill switch was on and they called for one. So explain gauntlet. Explain that term. <laughs> so a gauntlet and a mosh pit, um, you you basically divide out, and then you just run across the pit and everybody just throwing punches, kicks, everything and anything. Um, the original. Uh, singer the original frontman for kill switch engaged i forget his name but uh he wanted one he just called for one open it up i want to get on it right now expletives expletives it opens up and i'm and just it opened up right on me and i'm there you know and i'm like uh and he just called me out you know he he said some things about me he's like you know look run it i'm like eh, yeah all right i didn't get too hurt yeah yeah. But <laughs> but again, just taking time, doing chilling. Or like I remember me and my buddies one time went up to a bluegrass festival in Potter County, PA. It was a paintball tournament and bluegrass festival. And uh we ended up camping next to like our clones. Like the group of guys we were camping next to were like parallels with those of us that came. Like instant mesh like like you said found the lost tribe you know in fact it was great i remember after the tournament we made friends with these guys and it got hot it was august but it was hot and uh clinton this guy clinton looked at us and goes yo we're gonna go swim you guys want to go swimming we at each other like, yeah let's go let's go and he goes well hold up hold, well uh oh and my buddy's actually goes, is it a crick or a pond <laughs> it's a crick it's like, yeah we're good let's go yeah. and uh again like lost tribe now yeah. we ended up having to take clinton to the hospital later that night because uh driving <laughs> driving back <laughs> he stops he jumps out and he's in flip-flops and he goes to kill a groundhog that was there sunning itself on the side of the road you know goes to stomp it uh-huh not condoning that. When I emphasize it, it's not condoning just randomly stopping and stomping groundhogs. But if you're a farmer, you learn groundhogs destroy a lot of stuff. So farmers, which Clinton was, you do not like groundhogs. You're triggered by groundhogs. Exactly. So he gets out and goes to end the life of this groundhog. And as he's mid-kick in flip-flops, He found out the hard way that it wasn't a groundhog. It was a porcupine. It was a porcupine. Oh, boy. <laughs> now, were these um, the Adidas flip-flop with the big band, or were they like the toe flip-flop with... Toe the... flip-flop. Oh, that's even worse. Like actual, <laughs> thin, cheap. Again, we had just come back from swimming in a creek. We didn't take good stuff. You know, I used a cheap leather belt to hold my shorts on. Yeah. <laughs> like, nobody was... <laughs> you just see him dive back yeah but again this idea of seize the day carpe diem with again within reason you know like me and my friends i'm gonna you know i'm not gonna lie we never got too too crazy you know we had we had some fun times we had some crazy times we had you know you know my buddy zach one time at a house party where you know afghani malkin and uh sydney crosby showed up just to chill which was awesome but also the worst thing that could ever happen to that place because once that got out like everybody and their mother wanted to come to his shindigs but you know i mean uh, just craziness you know but yeah. again just doing your thing having time chilling and taking time to take time yeah you know i think that's uh i think that's a skill a lot of people have lost in the modern age Again, even like just being, this like, year, like being able to relax, <laughs> being able to relax and then being able to relax in the moment, mm. you know, not needing to pull out, you know, like 
it drives me nuts when I go to a concert, which doesn't happen often anymore, but when I go and I see so many people just staring at the concert through their phone. Ugh. It's like, why? what are you doing, man? Like, why'd you drop $500 on a ticket to watch it on your screen? Like, mm. let the people on Instagram Live worry about this. Like, mm. you just chill. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to find recorded recorded pieces now. Yeah. 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 But, you know, uh, one of the reasons I loved going to concerts, it was sort of the same reason, like, I love going to, like, a Renaissance Fair or Comic-Con or something like that. It's like, everyone's on the same team. Like, you're all there because you like the particular band, you know? Uh, yeah. So it was a very communal in that in that sense. You know? Well, you're there for a singular purpose. Right, now, exactly. Everybody might have their own reasons why they like them, like that purpose, why they're attracted to that band, why they're attracted to that event. But you're in it together. Right. You're in that shared moment. It's like, it's like the, um, what was like that one concert? Where was it? I think it was in Ukraine, Russia, Scandinavia, somewhere, where thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, they're tearing down and setting up new, you know, the roadies are doing their thing to change over the sets. And they just started singing Bohemian Rhapsody. And something like 300,000 people just started singing Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. Uh, and it's just like this, like, yeah, awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Connection. Yeah. Or like, you know, when like you, you see like a, like a, like a like a Viking row or something at a metal band, you know. It's just like yeah, you see like you know you see twenty thousand people get on the ground and do a Viking row, like yeah. I remember before I entered the monastery, me and three friends went down to Bonnaroo, which is a four day yeah music festival. You know, you camp, uh, you know, three nights and uh, and uh, the, but the the closer of the show on Sunday was Elton John, and uh, he played Rocket Man, and during the first chorus you know i'm a rocket man mm -hmm. somebody let off a life-size uh balloon of buzz Lightyear, and we were all like <laughs> yeah you know <laughs> like so silly oh yeah uh oh my god so many so many stories of just stuff happens at concerts that you know just so random and it's never gonna happen again and i remember the very first concert i ever went to i was with my friend angie and um i think you've met Angie. have you ever met andy i don't think so uh, she's a chemistry PhD. She she's awesome, but me and her, her brother and her brother's fiance, now wife, went to see. It was Southern Rock tour. It was Shooter Jennings, Three Doors Down, and Leonard Skinner, Pittsburgh Post Gazette Pavilion, and great show. Awesome stuff for the show coming out. Apparently, PennDOT did not check the theater schedule. Or the theater schedule did not check with PennDOT because they literally stopped traffic to put in an overpass. Not repair. Put in. Ugh. Like, concert traffic, dead stop. And we're there, and we eventually flagged down one of the uh, uh, stadies. Like, dude, what's going on? It's like, are they putting in an overpass? So, like, are they rerouting us? Like, what are they? Uh, No. Didn't you see the warning and the label? Like, no. It's like, yeah, no, you're 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 stuck here for at least three or four hours. Yeah. I'm like, huh? Yeah. Like, yeah. So everybody basically turned off their car, put the car keys in the glove box, so that nobody got arrested for any beverages, and we had an impromptu tailgate on the middle of the highway. Coming out of the uh, Leonard Skinner concert. Uh, Again, just the randomness of the moment. Right, Couldn't right. repeat it. Because, I mean, I'm sure somebody got fired for that. Either at the stadium. Right, right. Or, or at PennDOT for, right. for having a major tour coincide with an actual major highway shutdown. Somebody didn't plan properly. Yes. Yeah. Somebody chose poorly there. That reminds me of, uh, uh, and this happened in Pennsylvania too, which was... Uh, uh, my last sort of hurrah before entering the monastery was uh, going with two friends to the Peach Music Festival on Montage Mountain. Okay. PA. And uh, so how it works is you get there and you park 
and then you kind of lug your stuff to a pickup area. Mm-hmm. The bus is, you put your stuff on the bus, the bus takes you to the mountain, and then you find a spot on the mountain to camp out for a couple of days for the concert. So I remember it extremely clearly. It was super, it was like 95 degrees, super hot. And the event that sort of foreshadowed everything to come, we had, you know, we had backpacks and, you know, sleeping bags, da, 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 tent, and we had a cart full of, you know, snacks and drinks and what. So we pull the cart out and it immediately breaks. We have like a three wheel cart, all, mm-hmm. our, all our craps mm-hmm. in there. We log all our stuff to this meeting area for the buses. We waited for six hours for a bus. Wow. Now that sucks for two reasons. Waiting for waiting for six hours is horrible mm-hmm. and also it was hot but since it's a mountain the later you get to the mountain the higher up you have to camp yeah because all the spots are taken yeah so we get you know all of our stuff on the mountain uh, on the bus we go up we you know and it's a mountain so you have to walk up the mountain with all your crap and uh we we're so tired we're so frustrated we just want to kind of chill out. And uh, so we're about to set the tent up. And the way I remember it, it was it literally happened like this, was we put the first stake in. We hit the stake with the mallet. Immediate thunderstorm. <laughs> <laughs> so now we're putting up a tent in a thunderstorm. Uh-huh. Eventually we get the tent up. Now it's three guys in a wet tent, uh-huh. cold, uh-huh. on top of a mountain. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And we're just having the worst time. And uh, so we, we did like a night overnight. We stayed the next day. And then my buddy was like, I got hotel points. <laughs> you guys want to get a hotel? And yep. there was like a hotel at the bottom of the mountain. We're like, hey, if you got points, we're not going to, you know. Yep. So we stayed in the hotel for the for the last night. Oh, yeah. But just stuff like that. Just Oh, yeah. Well, I remember on a scuba diving trip to um, Dutch Springs in the Allentown area. Uh, same thing. We set up a tent. And then it just poured and water pooled underneath us. We thought we were up higher than we were. And it was just miserable. Like we were using sleeping bags to soak up the water in the tent. That's how bad it was. Uh. And I still remember my buddy Dan Windiker, Dana, he ended up running a fever that night, which, you know, was horrible for him. Awesome for the rest of us. Because he was like a little portable space heater. Uh, we just took turns like laying next to him. It's like, all right, I'm cold. Move. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we kept him in the middle and just kept rotating <laughs> who was on. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> he was he was a space heater. But again, just that craziness of, you know, you never know what the day is going to bring. But, And I think that's another good thing that's important too, though. Because like every story we've told so far... We haven't been alone. We've been with our boys. We've been with the guys. We've been with our friends. Whether that's, you know, my friend Angie, who is a girl, or, you know, Dan and Corey, or, you know, who have you. And I think that's an important thing, too, is making time, not just for yourself, but for relaxing with people you get along with, relaxing with other people and belonging to a group. You know, we we just had a meeting where we discussed here at the Abbey, you know, the concept of belonging in the school, et cetera. Yeah. And I think, you know, that that is an important factor. I think you need a group. Yeah. You know, that's not saying like, you know, different people are going to have different modes. You know, definitely have some people that are going to be more, you know, quiet and introverted and some that are going to be more extroverted and some that are just going to be looking like, dude, you have way too much energy right now. You need to take it down a notch. Yeah. But having friends like I, I think back to like in college and high school you know the number of times i got woke up on a saturday because i'm a firm believer in naps yes to my friends being in my room looking at me and going like get dressed we got money off your dad let's go <laughs> I was like, well, where, where where are we going it's like yeah well if you would have looked at your phone you would know let's go yeah could i have my phone to sh- no let's go uh. but just the randomness of the guy's grabbing you, pulling you aside, bringing you, you know, going for wings, going, you know, to the movies, hitting a drive-in. You know, like where I grew up, we still have a an actual drive-in movie theater. Right. And just be able to load up a pickup truck, 
full of guys, pack a cooler full of soda, you know, go and just sit out, turn the radio on and watch a movie. Is it going to be your best high definition video? No. Is it going to be the warmest or the most temperate? No, you're going to be fighting mosquitoes and dogs that want to eat your hamburger. Mm -hmm. But are you going to enjoy yourself? Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Well, that concept we brought up in the meeting today of belonging is interesting to me to think about because, of course, you know, especially within, uh, you know, the church, right? Mm -hmm. we, all, we seek to belong to something, something greater than ourselves. But belonging doesn't mean that the particular group will 100% cater to you. No. There needs to be an element of sort of buy-in by you to what the group already stands for to a yeah. certain extent. Yeah. Sort no. of like, you know, when we talk about like immigrating to the United States, mm -hmm. right? There's, of course, we celebrate diversity and, you know, I'll be the first one to tell you I love you know, experiencing different cultures and, mm -hmm. you know, the food, hearing people's stories and where they came from, et cetera. That's awesome. But there's also uh, an element of buy-in to, if you're, if you're immigrating to the country, buying into what America stands for and what America is about, you know, and it's the same thing here. You know, um, we, we have a particular sort of ethos. Mm -hmm. right? We stand for particular things. Mm -hmm. um, so... It's it's sort of like a give and take kind of relationship. Like yes, of course we come, come. We want you to belong. Yep. Um, and then there's also the other side of, are you in agreement with what we stand for? You know, what, our mission. You know. Right. Yeah. No. And I mean that's and that and that's where I think the balancing act has to be. Every group, every culture, everything has what is essential to it. You know, in the Catholic Church, we have deal breakers. You know, we're very much, you know, either you accept this, you believe this, or you're out. Like, sorry. Yeah. Same thing with... Like Scientology or something. Right. You know, same thing with the monastery. You know, we have deal breakers. You know, if you can't do X, Y, Z, oh, all right. Right, and that's not us being exclusionary. It's us, being, us saying there are certain rules and obligations you have. Right. You know? This is what it is to be X, Y, Z. Right. Same thing with friends. I mean, you know, certain friends are going to require certain things. You know, I'm not saying it should be, you know, I don't think it's ever healthy to be like, okay, everybody wants to do this. You know, you shouldn't be like the Ashleys on a recess where everybody has to wear the same clothing every day. Everybody, you know, oh, it's pink day. You right. know, uh, that's an old episode I'm thinking about. Wow. The Ashleys. Yeah. Remember the Ashleys? Remember recess? The recess, show recess, the cartoon, yeah, 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 the cartoon. The Ashleys were the uh, the clique of all the girls. Did they have their own spinoff? No, oh no, it was okay. It was just a part of the episode was focusing on them, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there was one where I guess the day they all met, they were all wearing pink or something, and they realized like they were the you know, like the classic valley girl type. And uh, so they on their anniversary of that, every every year they all wear pink, and the one Ashley forgot and wore yellow and whole big drama i'm not saying you should be like that but at the same time you know there definitely is the element that to be part of a group you need to buy into that group right exactly to be part of a friend group you need to buy into that friend group you know i still have friends to this day where if i call them up in the middle of the night they're going to take my call and if i say look i need you to come to jersey you know can, can you come to jersey and not get fired or be homeless Mm -hmm. And if the answer is yeah, and I say, look, look, I need you to come here. I can't explain when you get here. I have a couple friends, not many, but a few, that would get in the car, leave a note for the wife, and drive. You know? Likewise, I got a couple friends that, you know, if they called me up, they they know I'd do that for them. You know? Yeah. They they literally need a, you know, we're some of me and my core friends, we're all B-positive blood type. And they know for a fact, if they needed a blood sample... Or not, not like for a test, but like for like surgery or something like that. They needed like a, a blood bag. I'll give them a pint. Yeah. I'll give them two pints. And I hate, you know me, I hate needles. Yeah. But I think that is a key part. And I think in the church, we sometimes forget that. Like in our attempt to be very much welcoming and very much accommodating and very much 
you know, again, welcoming. Yeah. We can lessen the emphasis on, well, this is what it means to be Catholic. This is what it means to be a monk. This is what it means to be X, Y, Z. And I think um, we're seeing in the church places that do emphasize that, be it a religious order, be it a parish, be it a school, that say, look, this is what it means to be a member of this. And this is why they're doing well. You know, right. they're, they're succeeding. And I think, I think there's something to that. And I think a lot of, especially younger people who are maybe considering religious life or just younger people in general, they're seeking clarity about certain things and communities that present um, what they're about like that have a certain clarity that I think is attractive to people. And I think that's why they're seeing such an uptick in, in vocations. Absolutely. I mean, again, you, you know, how can you expect to ask somebody to join you if you don't know what you are? Right. You know, you can't say this is what we do. This is why we do it. Um, and, and as one of one of our conferences said in the meeting today, and I thought it was a great point, I think you could apply it to the church, is that you can't be all things to all people. Exactly. Right? So, you know, it makes me think of, you know, often you hear this in like uh, um, certain, certain types of debates where, uh, let's take uh, same-sex marriage, mm -hmm. for example. Some people would say the Catholic Church not... Uh, not allowing or, or, or condoning same-sex marriage is them excluding people that would want to get a same-sex marriage, mm -hmm. right? But the, but the church would probably say, this is an exclusion. This is us saying marriage is a particular thing, and anything outside of that is, is not, not marriage. Thing. Right? right. But it's, it's very interesting how different people take it because many people take it as, ex oh, you're just excluding people. It's like, no. It's sort of like, you know, it's sort of like, uh, let's say, you know, a guy wanted to play in the WNBA. Right. Right. The WNBA's rule is that it's the, it's a woman's league. Mm -hmm. Right. So men can't play in that league. Mm -hmm. So it's not excluding men. Take take Del Bard, for example. Mm -hmm. We're an all-boys school. Mm -hmm. We don't admit girls, right. female students. Right. That's not us excluding them. That's saying we have a particular way of doing it. And that's the rule, mm -hmm. right? So, well, and even if it is exclusionary, that doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. inherently bad. Yeah, that's or inherently anti-group. That's a better way to put it. You know, because um, you know, like was it Villa Walsh? They're all female. You know, we're all male. You know, just like because, like again, like you know, like to say this is what you have to do to be a Benedictine monk isn't saying you don't have a vocation. Maybe you're a Trinitarian. Maybe you're a vocationist. Maybe you're a Carthusian. Maybe you're a Carmelite. Maybe you're a Jesuit. All those orders do very different things. And they have very different groups. Different. It means a very different thing to say you belong to the Jesuits or the Salesians than to say you belong to the Benedictines. Right. And in that sense, there there is something for everyone to do in the church. Yeah. Yeah. You know, just like, you know, like if you love acoustic guitar, you know, there's liturgies that are very well done that use acoustic guitar. There are liturgies that are very well done that use only traditional, um, what's it called? Organ. To say, you know, we are not using, well, like give you an example. I know, I know, uh, it's an, another Abbey and I'm sure you'll know exactly which one I'm talking about. You know, a debate came up between their new choir director and their former choir director because their former choir director plays the acoustic guitar loves to play the guitar at liturgy etc new choir director plays the organ and he's brought it up he's like look i am not good enough on the organ to try and match what he's doing on the guitar and he's not and he's like i'm not trying to be mean but he's not good enough on the guitar to try and match what i'm doing on the organ so he looked at the avenue because you got to pick what do you want playing at these services? Let us know ahead of time and we'll make it work. But like, I can't, we can't be together on this. Yeah. Because they don't work. And that's not them trying, that's not him, as he said, it wasn't him trying to exclude 
the other guy from playing the liturgy nor the other guy trying to exclude him it's more like objectively this does not work exactly yeah and i think that's one thing to tie in sort of like what we talked about in the previous episode about like needing to be comfortable with who you are to know like just because somebody disagrees with an element of something that you stand for or believe or want or desire doesn't mean they're against you right you know just like to say like look all right you're you're not a catholic man so you can't be pope you know in a way that's very exclusionary it excludes about like 52 percent of the global population off the top mm -hmm. and then another probably like two-thirds because they're not men yet they're not men or they're not catholic uh -huh. But at the same time, to say that the leader of the Catholic Church should be Catholic. You're just a bigot, clearly. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> you know, I've been accused of that. Um, but no, but I think, and that's where I do think you need to look at and evaluate and analyze those elements. Because, you know. If a group doesn't have some type of uniformity, some type of thing and belonging, then what do the people actually belong to? Right. And if they don't have that, it's easy for for things to uh, 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 sort of atomize. You know, right. everyone goes off into the little, little different groups. Right. Because you, you don't you don't uh, have a common understanding of or a common agreement about what you stand for. Right. And even if there is a common overarching agreement. There's always going to be some type of subsetting. Like take the American, you know, we just had Veterans Day. Take the armed, for armed services. You know, every one of the armed service branches wants to protect and defend the Constitution in the U.S. Right. But the way the Marines do it is drastically different than the way the Air Force does it. And that doesn't mean either one is wrong. They both have an important role to play. But if you want to, you know, be a ground-based soldier... With an M16 or a flamethrower, you're probably not going Air Force. Now, yes, you can be a pilot in the Marines. They they still fly that one jet that can do a vertical takeoff, which is awesome. Yeah. But, you know, but that's rare. In fact, I know a guy who actually, he wants to be a Navy pilot, which is why he joined the Marines. Because uh. he knows if he can become a pilot for the Marines, he will only fly off of uh aircraft carriers mm. which is you know but again you know we're like take pilots to be a pilot in the u.s army you have to be within a very specific and limited range of height and weight because those chairs you you don't have an adjuster level on a chair that's meant to go six seven g's uh -huh. you know that thing's bolted in so you better be able to reach stuff right <laughs> Otherwise, that Meg's going to shoot you out of the sky and you're going to have an issue. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to be the, you know, the Maverick. Nobody wants to be the guy Maverick was against. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I mean. And, you know, this idea of uh, being all things to all people. I think if someone said once, like, if everybody likes you, you're probably doing something wrong. Yeah. Or like you're lying to people about certain things about what you believe or, uh, um, and Kurt Vonnegut, this might sound a little, uh, I don't know, racy, but Kurt Vonnegut, uh, once said, uh, if you try to make love to the whole world, you'll, you'll catch a disease. Mm. <laughs> He's a little racy, but, <laughs> but you know, the, uh, I think there's, there's truth to that in, and standing for something, especially something that's true and good, even even when you do that, you're going to come across people that get angry with you for that or don't agree with you. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, that's that's when you kind of have to uh, hold firm to, to who you are and, and, rec and, and realize that uh, you're not you don't believe what you believe to exclude people, but you just believe in this particular thing, you know. Right. You know, I mean, fundamentally, you know, if you look at the history, you know, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam all admit they worship the God of Abraham. But a Christian's not a Jew, and a Jew's not a Muslim. You know, they all have things that make them what they are. 
Right. And those who practice that faith accept what it is. You know, it's like right. that. Like I would never say that I feel excluded by Judaism. Right. Because I'm not attempting to enter into the ranks of Judaism. Right. <laughs> now, that said, if you were, then when they say, okay, no more bacon for you. If you want to be a practicing and devout Orthodox Jew, no more bacon for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And that, uh, I don't know, I don't know what time we're at, but uh, that sort of reminds me of, uh, you know, the recent, well, I guess semi-recent controversy about communion in the Catholic Church mm -hmm. uh, with uh, Coeur d'Alene in Los Angeles, I think. Right? San Francisco. San Francisco. And... Uh, Nancy Pelosi and that, that. Yeah, that kind of caused a lot of debate about mm -hmm. what community is and what it means yeah. to receive communion, you know, and part of, part of receiving communion is you saying I'm by doing this, I'm in communion with the church. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so likewise, you know, could you say that, uh, you know, someone who goes around preaching against the Catholic church, not offering them communion, is that excluding them? Yes. But same thing, is it, is it something uh, where the intent is evil or bad? No. Right. Yeah. And, you know, again, I know Cordelione got a lot of criticism for that. A lot of support, a lot of criticism too. And, you know, that, that's sort of, I think, one of the fundamental questions of, you know, like with communion. You know, like that's one thing like I always, you know, I always love when people are like, well, don't excommunicate me for this. Like, I'm a priest. I can't excommunicate anybody. But I was like, point out, you can excommunicate yourself. <laughs> you know, you can commit certain sins where you cut yourself off. Not because the church has said, <gasps> not to you, bye-bye. But because you messed up so big, it's like the class, you done messed up, A.A. Ron. You done messed up. Uh -huh. And... You know, and it's, you know, I always find that interesting people's reaction to it because most are like, wait, what? Like, look, it's not my job, especially if I'm in the confessional. It's not my job to make you feel worse or to beat you over the brow with something. Yeah. But you should understand that your own actions have caused X, Y, Z to occur. Right. And you better, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah. You're giving them some, some perspective on it. Right. Yeah. Because just like with... You know, a friend group. You know, you can exclude yourself out. It's really easy to be like, nah, I'm not going to go to the show. Like, how I tried to get out of, you know, music as a weapon. You know, it's like, oh, I just started a job. I just, you know, I just moved to Pittsburgh. I just, I just, I just. And you can exclude yourself. Whether that's in a school, whether that's with a friend group, whether that's in a job, whether that's, you know, in the church. You know, you can choose to isolate yourself. You can choose to, you know, not follow the program. You can, you know, um, but I do think, you know, one thing that I like with the Catholic Church is, you know, we do tend to be more inclusive and opening than a lot of people give us credit for. Mm. That doesn't change the fact that there are deal breakers. But nevertheless, the idea of, you know, there's a wide ways in which things can be done. You know, like I, I know one parish where I grew up, 90% of the people there insist on mass being said ad oriento, which is the priest facing the altar. Because one, I mean, the pastor did a very good job of catechizing on that. Basically, you know, this is, you know, the, not only just the ancient way of doing it, but you know, this is that symbolism of me as priest being mediator you know, me collecting, as we call the opening prayer, the collect, the prayers of the people and taking them to present them on the altar of God. And I know another parish just down the street from that where, you know, it is, I hate to use the term liberal in describing liturgy, but it's, you know, the classic, very, you know, life-teeny guitar, mm almost looks like a, a Protestant praise and worship service mm -hmm. with the Eucharist attached. And so long as you do it within the norms, both are perfectly fine. You know, yes, there are guidelines, you know, 
the abbot was just discussing with uh, a little chapter today, like um, when it comes to optional memorials, you know, it's like, and he was like, look, it, when it comes to the public liturgy of the abbey, we, we need to follow the order, the ordo, not order. The ordo provides order, but we need to follow the ordo. You know, if it's optional, like you don't get to make the option. We follow the primaries. And he's like, if you want to add the collect to the other collect, the general instruction on the missile says how to do that. Read it, do it correctly. I don't care. Because again, there is variety in any group. There's going to be variety. Yeah. But there's also the, this is how we do it. it right. And variety is good as long as that doesn't infringe upon or sacrifice sort of a main tenet of what you stand for. Right. Right. So there are a variety of beliefs in the Catholic Church about certain things. But for example, if you're pro abortion, mm -hmm. that might be a sign that <laughs> the Catholic Church is. Well, I love, I love. Maybe the, not, not, you know, not doesn't closely align with your personal beliefs. Let's put it that way. <laughs> right. There, there was a clip of uh, Cardinal Sarah from the 90s on EW10. And I loved it because somebody asked him. It was a Q&A, and somebody asked him, you know, like, you know, what's your view on abortion? And I just loved his response. Now, again, Sarah is somebody that can be polarizing at times. Yeah. But I just loved his response of, if if as a Catholic you need a cardinal from the Vatican to come tell you that killing an innocent baby in the womb is immoral, I have larger concerns. <laughs> right. It's indicative of something, a bigger problem. Yeah. Exactly. And again, you know, I think um, sort of because we're coming up on sort of like a three-minute mark here, but I do think, again, with anything, with the church, with monastic life, with a school, with a friend group, belonging is important because, you know, one of the best lessons I think of Christianity is that we are not in it alone. You know, we are all members of the body of Christ. We're called to help and support each other. I gave a homily on that just tonight, mm -hmm. you know. But part of that is, too, that double-edged work. You know, you need to be on board with the deal breakers of your group. And the group needs to be on board with the nuances you're going to bring to it. Right. I, you know, just just think think Jesus, right? He was the one mm -hmm. reaching his hand out to people on the margins, people that were left behind. Yep. But those people also had a, a choice of whether to follow him. Yep. Right. When he said, follow me. He was calling them to, to belong to a certain thing, right? Yep. To, to belong to the body of Christ or to belong to uh, to the church. Um, but the uh, there was also the people being called had to hold up their end of the bargain. Right? Exactly. They had to accept certain things. Exactly. And again, like even like Christ, like he was accepting of all people on the margins. But take like the woman at the well, you know, it's like, okay, yep, good. Now go sin no more. Right. There was there was a a mission, a caveat. Right. right. You know, it was wonderful forgiveness, wonderful love, wonderful acceptance, but also the idea of okay, yeah, those mistakes you've been making, let's uh, let's calm it down. Patch those up. Yeah. And I think that's an important thing. And I think part of that too comes from being open to experiences, not in a compromise your own self kind of way but in the being open again like some of the stories we shared tonight early on like they would never have happened if we weren't open to just going with the flow right you know now i know some people they can't go with the flow they need everything organized and you know we have a couple confreres that are like that everything has to be in a specific place you know uh one of our confreres you know like he, he he's very bad uh, impromptu going to the movies or going out to eat or just, you know, get together and play a card game. Everything needs to be planned out ahead of time. Whereas, you know, me and you tend to be the opposite. Like, what are you doing tonight? Oh, want to go see Smile? Yeah, let's do it. Yeah, I don't like plans. I don't like making plans. I don't like organizing long-term plans. Don't right. like it. And those aren't deal breakers for being a monk. Right. But those then do have an effect on who's going to the movies tonight. Right. And that's not being exclusionary. But it's also saying, like, look, like, this you is are how we do it. more than welcome to come. But I don't want to plan, like, 
like you know like me i tend to plan like one thing massively in advance like when we're trying to do stuff with new work and stuff like that's like the only thing like i even try to remotely plan long into the future because mm -hmm. otherwise it just becomes a nightmare right but again this idea of go with the flow but also be you so like that guy that monk who likes things planned like i don't hold it against him that he wants things planned if he wants to plan a trip an event I love it because he keeps stuff in order and I know like it's going to go off. Like when he says we're doing this on the third, it's happening on the third. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to worry about fixing it, which is awesome. But again, to each their own. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, you want to stop there? I think that's a good place to stop. All right. Cool. To each their own. This was Father Demetrius. And Brother Will. Radio. Peace out, guys.